If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 18. And I'm going to begin reading, I'm going to be reading first of all out of the New Living Translation. And then after having read in 2 Kings and covering there, then I'll be taking you to some other scriptures as we move along. And the other scriptures that we go to will probably be in the New King James. So just so you are aware of where we are going. But we're going to start in 2 Kings chapter number 18. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. And again, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. So you can either follow along on the screen or if, if you have that, uh, or just your word, either one's going to work. It's not going to be all that much different than what you're looking at. So we're going to get into this. I'm going to share with you tonight uh, my title of the lesson tonight. And what we're going to be looking at uh, this evening is we're going to be talking about kingdom action steps to refocus the church. So we're going to talk a little bit about our focus and we're going to talk about some kingdom actions that we can take to regather our focus as people of God. And so that's, that's where we're going to go. We're going to be looking at Hezekiah tonight as he starts um, his reign. We're going to be talking about that. So 2 Kings chapter number 18 as we talk about kingdom action to refocus God's people. And we're going to apply it. To the church. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse number 1. It says, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign in Israel. So Hezekiah is going to be king and rise up as king over Judah. And Hosea is king in Israel, and it is the third year of King Hosea, the king of Israel. He was 25, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. Now you'll notice that's a pretty lengthy reign uh, for one of the kings of, of either Judah or Israel. And so Hezekiah was a little unique in that. He was 25 and he reigned for 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines. He smashed the sacred pillars he cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah. Now listen to this. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. He carefully obeyed the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far distant as Gaza and its territory. From their smallest outpost to their largest 
walled city. And so we're going to talk tonight for just a little bit about some things that we see in these verses that King Hezekiah led God's people in. The actions that he took, they were kingdom actions. They were actions that were going to benefit the kingdom in his day of God's people of Judah. But what we are going to learn is some actions that we can take part in that are going to be kingdom of God actions and how we can be refocused on accomplishing what it is that God has set for us to accomplish. So we're just going to dive into this and, and we're just going to see what the Lord wants to say to us. And, and I've got several points, but they're not really long points. They're just they're just kind of talking points that we're going to hit just a little bit tonight because we're going to look at some words that I just read to you. And we're going to pull out of these eight verses some very important words that I believe are, are words that we can live our life by today. And so that's they are kingdom action words that we can live our life by. Now, they, they are going to be in two categories, the words that I have to share with you. So two categories of kingdom action words, kingdom actions that we can take part in that will help us to be focused on the kingdom of God. You, you ready? Here's the two categories that we're going to look at tonight. We're going to look at actions that we can take against sin. And the second category is we're going to look at actions that we can take for the Lord. So actions against and actions for. Now, how many of you realize the church has been criticized in, in times past? You know, you'll, you've probably heard this before. Well, the church, they only talk about what they are against. Anybody, anybody ever heard that? Uh, online, have you heard that? If you've ever heard, well, the church only talks about what they're against. Well, let me, let me just say this because I want to I be very clear tonight. It is important and it is imperative that we are against things that are not of God. Amen. We are not against people. The Bible very plainly tells us in the New Testament, the Bible explicitly tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, so we don't, we don't fight with people. We are not against people. We are not against sinful people. We are not against uh, people that don't live a Christian life like we think they should live a Christian life. That's not what we are ever to be against. Here, here is the problem. Many people have associated what the church stands against with the people that are involved in what the church stands against. And possibly that's because Christians have not been real good at making sure people know it's not the person that we stand against, but it is the activities that are against God's plan that we must stand against. How, how many of you would agree with that here tonight? Amen. It is important that we know what we are against. 
So I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm not going to back away from that just because people will say, well, the church only talks about what they're against. Well, well, the truth of the matter is the church needs to begin to talk a little bit more again about what we are against. Because we have, we have fallen silent in many situations about what we are against when it comes to the things that are against God, against God's will, anti-God's word. And because we have been silent about what the word tells us to be against, we have allowed confusion to move in even among Christian people to the point that, that they don't know what we should be against. They don't know what the word says. They don't understand that there is right and there is wrong amen the word very plainly tells us there are right actions and there are wrong actions there are right thoughts and there are wrong thoughts There are good things that we should be involved in. And there are bad things that we should abstain from. Amen. And so we need to understand that. And I think Hezekiah really in in the scriptures I read to you. There are some words that talk about what he was against that I think are important for us. So let's let's begin to just look at those words. And we're just going to take however long we take tonight. And I'm just going to hit these words. And at the end we will sum it up. So so let's let's look together at his at at. 2 Kings chapter 18, and let's go back to verse number 1. Well, let's, let's go to verse number 2. Hezekiah, or, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 2. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years, and his mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Now, now listen to this. He did what was pleasing in the in the Lord's sight. So, what we are about to discover as we go through the next several verses are things that Hezekiah did that were pleasing to God. So, so the things that we're going to talk about, first of all, the actions against sinful activity, these things were pleasing to God. God was pleased with what he stood against. And the actions that he took. So let's look at, at what the, these were. It, just as his ancestor David had done. Verse 4. We, we come to the first word. He removed the pagan shrines. So the first thing he does to take some action. Remember we're talking about kingdom actions to help us focus, to refocus God's people onto God's plan, then then we have to look at actions against before we look at actions for. And so the first action we come to is this idea that he removed pagan shrines. He removed places in the kingdom where worship was Of false things. False gods. He removed those places. He gave no room. To pagan shrines. He stood against that. He he took action 
again, he, he didn't just talk against it. He removed them. He got them out. Now, now this, is, this is important. We need, to, we need to understand that. Do you know that if you're going to stay focused on, on God's kingdom, and you're going to stay focused on God's plan and purpose, that there are things that will try to rival God in your life that you need to remove. You don't need to debate with them. You you don't need to you you don't need to just kind of flirt with them. You don't you don't need to just kind of keep them around to remind yourself of what used to be. There are things that you need to remove out of your life because if you do not, you will not live pleasing unto the Lord. How do I know that? Well, there were other kings that did not remove the pagan shrines. And the Bible says they were not pleasing to God. So why? Because it distracted them. Do you know Solomon was the wisest man on earth? But do you know King Solomon had a, had a huge weakness? And the weakness King Solomon had was, was in taking wives and concubines. And he would take them from all over, and, and they would be pagan. And, they would, and, and rather than remove things out of his life and out of his way, he would coexist with them. Come on now. See, we live in a world today that tries to tell us we should just coexist with all this other worship of things that are not God. But for the, for the child of God, you cannot do that and remain focused in God's kingdom. God will not share your focus with pagan gods. Amen. He, he won't. If you're making room for things that are anti-God in your life, your focus is going to be scattered everywhere. Amen. So the first thing we see him doing, he removed pagan shrines. He just took them away. He got rid of them. I want you to just think in your life, if you're watching online, just think right where you are. What, what are things in your life that you can think of right now that are really, they may not be idols to you, but they are things that are anti-God that want to try to rival God in your life that, that you need to decide, am I just going to coexist with these or do I need to remove these things? And you, you have to ask yourself that question. As far as Hezekiah, he removed them. He took them away so that they would not be a hindrance any longer. Okay, He removed the pagan shrines. Second word. Second word is this, he smashed the sacred pillars. So, he didn't just remove the pagan shrines, he smashed the pillars that people would work. They would set up pillars and they would, that would be like an idol to them and their God. And it would be at those places that they would sacrifice or they would lay sacrifices or they would honor another God. And, and so what does Hezekiah do? He smashes those. Utterly defeats them to where they cannot be used again. He didn't just remove 
a shrine, he smashes the pillars so that they cannot be reused. Amen. Sometimes, and listen real close to me, sometimes we, we allow ourselves to be distracted because, first of all, we won't remove things out of our lives that are trying to rival God. And secondly, we will leave a path back to that old way of living. We will leave things constructed that then eventually we can go back to. Amen. When in reality, we need to smash those things. We need to, we need to make it to where there is no going back. I, I got to tell you, as a believer in the kingdom of God, as a believer of Christ, in, in my life, there is not a shadow or thought of going back to my old life. That old life has been smashed. That old way of living has been done away. There is no road back to that. Amen? How many of you know if you leave no road back, you won't go back? Amen. But, but is it um, for king and country? I think it is that sings the song, Burn the Ships. And there, there's a concept there that we need to, when, when they would come into a land and they were going to have to go into war, they would burn the ships. And what that meant was there wasn't any way to leave. You either, you either win or die there. there. You're not going back. And I got to tell you, for believers, that we need to get so focused on the kingdom of God that we smash that old mindset, that old way of thinking. See, we, we need to get that out of us. It doesn't even need to be a, a, a viable opportunity any longer to go back. What would there be to go back to? I think of Peter. When Jesus in John chapter 6 is starting to teach some really hard things. As, as he, he talks to the people that are gathered and the people that are all gathered there. And, you know, he'll say things like, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood. And the, and the Bible says they're all offended because they think he's talking about cannibalism. Or they, they, they're not sure what he's talking about. And they don't realize that he's talking about in the spiritual sense as the bread from heaven and the new covenant that is in his blood. But they just get offended because it sounds like an old way of living or it sounds like something they're used to. And the Bible says they get offended and they leave. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, will you leave also? Will you leave me? And Peter makes the statement. And he says, Lord, where else would we go? I got to tell you, you need to come to that place in your life. Where else could you go but to the Lord? See, if you will smash the old ways and the old pillars uh, that, that were places of worship, the old monuments that, that pointed you back to that old lifestyle, if you'll smash those to where there could be no return, then you have nowhere else to go. You keep going forward with the Lord. But you've you got to stand. And I'm, I'm getting there. I'm going to hit the words and then we will look at a few things. Okay, so, so he removes the pagan shrines, he smashes the sacred pillars, and he cut down the Asherah poles. So, so now he, he cuts down the poles that, that have been constructed 
by former lives. So that means there were, there were things of the former ways that had been constructed to stand. So there was, there was places of worship that tried to rival God. So he had to remove the places of worship. There, there, were, there, there were ways of worship, the pillars where they would go and, and take part in these things and, and it would remind them of the old life and he smashes that where there's no way back. And then he cuts down what had been constructed in the midst of the kingdom. Can I tell you that if we're not really careful, we will construct things that are not from God right in the middle of our life that is supposed to be kingdom-minded. We will construct in our mind thoughts that are not God thoughts, that are not word thoughts. We will, and, and what do we need to do? We need to cut those down. They are like Asherah poles that stick up where, where they have been constructed right in the midst of the kingdom. Amen. And if we're going to focus, if we're going to be focused on God and focus on His plan, then, then we have to cut those down. Don't give room to those things in your life. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you scriptures to back all of this up, but you, you need to hear this. So He removes, He smashes, He cuts down. You know what He's doing? He's saying, we are against these things. We stand against anything that rivals God in our in our kingdom. We, we are going to smash anything that would lead us back to an old way of living. That would remind us of an old way of living. We are going to cut down anything that has been constructed in our lives that, that would, would be against what God has taught us. We're going to stand against these things. And then, and then he says, after cutting down the Asherah poles, he broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. And the bronze serpent was called Nehushtan. Now, that bronze serpent, if you will remember, when there was a plague that had come through because of the, of the wickedness of, of the people of God, and a plague had come through, then, then Moses had constructed, God had led Moses to construct a bronze serpent, and the serpents were biting the people, and they were dying, and, and he held that serpent up, and if they looked at the bronze serpent, they were healed and they would live. Okay? But what did the people do? They turned eventually what God had, had done for them. Now they've turned it to a thing of idol worship. Because, because men, if we're not careful, we always will want something to see to put our faith in rather than keeping our faith in God alone through Christ. And so... The Bible says that Hezekiah broke up that serpent. He would no longer allow them to put their faith in what they could see. Amen. In just their memories of what God had done. Come on. How many know if we only have faith in the memories of what God has done... And we do not press forward into what God wants to still yet do in our lives. We will not live pleasing to Him going forward. How many churches, how many Christians will talk about the things that God has done. 
but not strive for the things God wants to do. It's like we are worshiping this bronze serpent of what God used to do while we have walked away from what God says He will do today. So we have to stand against that. These are mindsets. These are pathways. These are constructs in our mind and in our way of living. These are deficiencies in our faith. And we have to stand against these. We have to fight against these. Now, let's go down. Let's look at the second category. Because then we see actions for God. So, so we see the actions against sin. But now we look at actions for God. In verse number 5, we begin seeing these words. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. He placed His faith, not in a place, not in a a memory, not in a construct in the midst of the kingdom of his own mind or his own way, not in in some pillar that, 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 that was a place where worship would take place, but he trusted in the Lord. He trusted the word. He trusted that God was was for him and not against him. He trusted in the Lord. He kept himself looking to the God that he served. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. Can I tell you, David was before his time. Amen? So that statement in Scripture is powerful. Because King David was before his time. But the Bible says Hezekiah had such trust in God that there was no one like him before or after him of the kings. Hmm. Trust, his trust was so full in God. Can, can we legitimately declare that our trust is only in the Lord. That we're not relying on anything else. We are trusting Him. It doesn't matter what report we get from the doctor. doesn't matter what the world tells us. doesn't matter what culture is doing. doesn't matter what's happening around us. Our trust is in the God that we serve in Christ as our Savior. We trust Him and Him Alone, We need to be able to say, as Paul did, I know whom I have believed. I trust Him. I trust His Word. I trust His plan. Second word that we see in His actions for God is in verse number 6. Not only did He trust in the Lord, He remained faithful to the Lord. Watch this little phrase. In Everything. He remained faithful to the Lord. He kept his life faithful. How many realize that every day you have a choice? Whether to remain faithful to God. Or to choose to waver. As for Hezekiah, he remained faithful. How many know that means in everything, that means 
He remained faithful in good days and in bad days. Is that our testimony? Can we say, I've remained faithful to God even on my worst days? See, that's, that's kingdom focused. That's, that's, that's kingdom minded. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. Everything about his life. Everything that he does. He's remaining faithful. He's keeping faith in the Lord. He's living for the Lord. Now, now watch this. So he remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So he remained faithful to the Lord and he carefully obeyed, thoughtfully obeyed. He learned the law, but not only did he learn the law, he lived it to the best of his ability. Now we know no man can keep the entire law. That's been proven down through time. But but when Christ came, he gives us the law of liberty, the law of the spirit of of life. And, And he has brought that to us. But we must carefully Obey the law. Thoughtfully. We have to intentionally. Come, can, can I tell you, Christian, in the world we're living in today, you must be intentional about your obedience to God's word. If you are not intentional about obeying God's word and God's plan, you will not stay obedient. Amen. There's too much to pull you away. There's too much to distract you. He is is carefully obedient to the Lord's commands. And then then watch this. The last word that I want to share with you is this. So the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He stood against, he stood for, and he was successful in everything he did. And then watch what the Word says. Because the Word says he was successful in everything he did. And then he gives us some things. He revolted against the king of Assyria. He wouldn't, he wouldn't settle for bondage. He wouldn't settle for being bound. He wouldn't settle for losing or giving up his liberty for anything or anyone. And not only did he revolt against that, he refused to pay that pagan king tribute. In the day he was in, when a, when a greater king would come along, they would often leave the the kingdom alone, but they would demand tribute, money that they would have to pay. It was almost like a a bribe or almost like the mob coming in, you know, when they come into the shop and they say, you know, you need some protection, right? And and I'll give you my protection, but it's going to cost you this much. And, and if you don't use my protection, your, your shop may be blown up or set on fire. That would be a terrible thing to happen to you. So I suggest you take my protection. That's, that's what was happening. But it says that Hezekiah refused to pay tribute to this king. He refused to take what was God's and give it to someone else or another. Can, can I tell you? Hear me real close. 
He refused to take what God had blessed him with and give it to causes that were going to destroy God's kingdom. Come on. No, we're not, do what? Compromise. Let me tell you. Here's what I'm going to say to you tonight. As Christians, we need to refuse to pay tribute to things in this world that are completely anti everything God says. Amen. We need to refuse to take what God has blessed us with and invest it into a system that hates God and hates us. Amen. If we're going to stay focused in the kingdom, we, we, need to, we need to understand he revolted against the thought of not being free of bondage. And he refused to pay tribute. And then he conquered his adversaries. Amen. He was successful. He was successful in revolting. He was successful in refusing. And he was successful in battling his enemies. Why? Because he stood against what was not pleasing to the Lord. And because he stood for, took actions for what was pleasing to the Lord. Amen. So, actions against, he removed, smashed, cut down, and broke up. Actions for, he trusted, he remained faithful. He carefully obeyed, and because of these things, he was successful. Do you, do you see that? Do you see the pattern? Eight verses of a pattern of actions that can keep us kingdom-focused. Now, let me take you to some scriptures that I want to share with you to back up some of these things that I just said. First of all, let me take you to some scriptures that will back up the idea that we need to take actions that are against sin. Okay? I'm going to be in the New King James Version now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 8. I'll give you the scriptures. That way, if you don't have time to, to go look at them, you can write them down. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 8. For the weapons... Of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Does that sound familiar? Pulling down strongholds. You remember Hezekiah? Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 6. I think I said 4 through 8 but you could just stop there at 6. Because we don't walk according to the flesh. But we war according to the flesh. 
And so therefore, if we are in a battle with the things of the flesh, the things of this world, then those are things we must stand against. And so therefore, we must remove and smash and cut down and break up. We must cast down. Uh, we, must, we must pull down. We must win that battle. That's what Scripture says. Well, let's not stop there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Say, say every. Not let us lay aside some weights. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside. So there are things we have to lay aside. There are things we have to cast down. There are things that we have to pull down. Are you seeing the the theme here? Hezekiah was on to something. And I think we need to be on to something as well. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 9. Listen to this one. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. If you want to be kingdom focused, if you want to take actions to focus yourself in the kingdom of God, to stay focused on God's plan, then there are things you have to stand against according to the word of God. That's not not just, well, you're just trying to kill my joy. No, it's what scripture says. Otherwise, we cannot live lives pleasing unto the Lord. Okay, I'm not, I'm not finished yet. We're still on actions against sin. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. I, I don't know if y'all knew this was in the Bible. I knew this was in the Bible from a very young age because my mom used to tell me this scripture all the time. All the time. Here, here it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Abstain. I'm going to tell you the way mom told me because we use the King James Version. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Amen. You can laugh at me. I'm just telling you my upbringing. I'm not, I'm not telling you what you have to do. But do you know there were things I couldn't do because my mom and dad said, you know what, that looks like things a non-Christian would do. 
that. There wasn't any other reason. Amen. It was just the appearance. Now, I, I'm not, again, I'm not telling you what you have to do, but I'm telling you, here's what I am telling you. It would do us some good to practice this scripture again. Amen. Abstain from every form of evil. Quit trying to walk so close to the world that you fall over into the world every now and then. Amen. Abstain from it. Stay away from it. I know that's not popular, but it's all right. Because there are some actions we need to take against sinful things. We are to, do you know the Bible does say that we are to be separate and different and peculiar? Right? I'm not making it up. I don't have a trick Bible. I've got the same Bible you do. These things are in your word if you'll read it. Okay, one more. Ephesians chapter 4. And then we're going to get to some good stuff because we're going to look at some New Testament verses that tell us about actions for God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one speak the truth with his neighbor. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. Remember, remember what Hezekiah did? He, he removed, smashed, right? Don't give place to the devil in your life. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Don't always be looking for the handout. Work, labor as God gives you so you can have something to give to others in need. And then when you're in need, God will send people by your way to help you in your need. Amen. These are just principles that we need to hear. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for edification? That it may impart grace to the hearer. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Amen. Actions against him. How many would you, would you agree with me that in the New Testament... It talks often about actions that we are to be involved in against sinful behavior. How many would agree with that? Do you know the Bible says to let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses? I just gave you a whole lot more than that. It's here. It's in this. And we need to understand it. So while we're not only against things, there are things we are against. Sinful activity, sinful actions, we must take a stand. Amen. Now, let me give you some scriptures quickly, and I'm not going to take the same amount of time because I'm just running out of time. But let me give you some scriptures, actions for God, and here's what you're going to find out. Other than the very first one, I give you the rest of them are going to be in the same places that I just read, the actions against sin. 
So you, you can put them all together real easy. But the first one I'm going to take you to is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. Take up the whole armor of God. This needs to be our focus. It's not what we are fighting. Our focus is truly what God has given us. Take up the whole armor of God. And he talks about them, and I'll just give them to you. He says, the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. Let your loins be girt about the belt of truth. Let your feet be shod with the preparation of peace. The gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Where you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And you can wage war against the enemy. So these are the things that we are to focus on. Now, let's go quickly. And I'm going to hit the same scriptures I hit to you with you last time. But now with actions for God. Hebrews 12. You remember when we went there? Verse number 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. He says to lay aside every weight. Get rid of those things. But now verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. Sat down at the throne of God. For consider him who endured this. Lest you become weary and discouraged. So look to Jesus. Trust in him. Remain faithful. Carefully obey. Okay. Go to Colossians. Chapter 3. Verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you also will appear with Him in glory. Set your mind before God. Set your mind on Christ and what He accomplished. Verses 10 and 11 of Colossians 3. And put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, and according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. First Thessalonians chapter 5. You remember verse 22 said, abstain from every form of evil. But verses 12 down through 21, tell us, And we urge you, brethren, recognize those who labor among you, esteem them highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among one another, and be exhorted now. Verse 15, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but pursue what is good, both for yourselves and all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. One more, and we're done. Ephesians 4 and verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord... No, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. 
Their mind and understanding is darkened. They're alienated from God. Their hearts are blinded. They're past feeling. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him. The truth is in Him. You put off the former conduct, the old man, and verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness. Hezekiah taught us how to stay focused in God's kingdom. In the New Testament, we see how to live out that focus in Christ. And there are things that we must stand against. And there are actions in Christ that we must take on his behalf. As he lives through us. And so I just want to encourage you. I just simply came to encourage you tonight. Determined to be kingdom focused. And determined to take the right actions to be successful. Determine you're not going to live in bondage because Christ has set you free. And the word says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So therefore, if I'm delivered by Christ, if I will remove, if I will tear down, if I will smash, if I will pull down, if, if I will dismantle, if I will break down everything about that old way of living to where I have nothing to go back to, and if I will focus only on Christ, I'll live in His freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If I refuse to live in bondage, then I can live in freedom in Christ. If I revolt against that, if I refuse to pay tribute... To the God of this world. So no longer will I invest in the world. But rather I will invest in God's kingdom. I will not take what God has blessed me with. And, and what the Bible calls, I will not cast pearls before the swine. I, I will not take what God has given to me. And that's, I'm not talking about not witnessing to people. I'm talking about as Christians, we, we need to stand for what is right. And quit giving your money or your time or your focus to things that hate God and hate you. Amen. Because that leaves a pathway back to that old life. And then if you will determine you're going to win the battles through Christ. Because he's already won for you. You will remain kingdom focused. Amen. How many want to live with a kingdom focus? Taking actions. To live the life he's given to you. Everybody stand to your feet with me in house. Those of you that are online, we're so thankful you've been with us tonight. We must get real in this journey. There's no more time to play games. Can I tell you, your enemy is not playing games with you. If he can defeat you, he will defeat you. If he can devour you, he will devour you. 
If he can distract you, he will distract you. But if you are in Christ, all of the old things are passed away. And all things have become new. So live in the new life he's given to you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We're thankful for an opportunity just to study your word. Lord, to see in the Old Testament what a king that you declared there was none like him before nor after. And what he set about to do, and he wasn't a perfect man. But Lord, he made decisions to stay focused upon your kingdom. Upon your commands in your word. And Lord, then in the new covenant, we find that you have challenged us that are in Christ. That if we will stand against the adversarial things to your kingdom. And we will stand for you and all you've given to us. We too will be overcomers. Lord, we thank you that you can just show us this and then you can empower us to live this out. Jesus, we thank you for victory. We thank you for salvation that we couldn't do on our own. And we thank you that you can show us a better way to live. We honor you and we bless you. Let the church awaken. and Let us rise up and let us revolt against anything that would try to bring us back into bondage. And let us refuse to invest in things the enemy tries to distract us with and let us conquer at every turn the battles that we fight in this life. And we give you the praise for it all. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen and Amen. How many are glad you were at church tonight? Amen. How many believe you've got the Word of God that you can walk out of here and say, I've got some weapons now that I can use. Amen? Amen. God bless you for being here.